sums up what's nice about, about architecture because it is quiet. It recedes into the background. At least that's what I want my own work to do. And while I want it to be distinguished and I want it to be beautiful, and I want it, you know, and when people stop to notice it, I want them to feel the sense of tranquility and serenity that we try to imbue our, that we try to uh, imbue into our work. I also think that um, the best architecture doesn't shout. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't try to draw. It doesn't try to draw attention to itself. It just serves as a. It just serves as a, a backdrop to the best possible type of human experience when it's done well. Thank you for tuning in. This is Getting Personal with Designers. My name is Tamir Schuster from Precise, and today I'm talking to Kevin Greenberg, the founding principal of Space Exploration. Kevin has founded a studio in 2008, and in addition to his design practice, Kevin is an active writer and a teacher. He's a lot of fun, and there's a lot to talk about, so let's just dive right into it. So the way we're going to do it today, we're going to do it similar to a project. Uh So the SD phase is mainly talking about you as Kevin. Um, The DD phase is talking about space exploration as a company. And then CD is more about, you know, the architect role Um, and CA talking about the future. How about that? And I'm going to surprise you with some uh, questions in the lightning round. All right. All right. That works. Um, So for the most straightforward question, why have you decided to become an architect? You know, it uh, it just struck me as as um, a career that married a lot of my interests. Um, growing up, I, I was really uh, I was really into the visual arts. I did a lot of uh, painting and drawing as a kid. Both my my um, my aunt and uncle were professional artists, so I, um, I I grew up with a strong visual arts background and access to a lot of a lot of knowledge and instruction. In, in that realm, uh, I, I was also um, I, I also love to read and write, and I loved analysis as a as a younger person. So, you know, um, I, I went to school for for literature as an undergraduate, and I worked as a writer briefly after that. Before I decided that I missed doing something that was a little more visually inclined, or just artistically oriented in general. And architecture seemed like a marriage of a lot of the things that I that I most enjoyed. You know, the, the visual arts and aesthetics. Um, problem solving, analysis, theory, philosophy, etc. So you know, and, and it's it has um, turned out to to be like that in practice. You mentioned uh, that in since younger age, you were really attracted to it. Not necessarily architecture, but more art. It was in Texas, right? Yeah, I was in Texas, San Antonio. I was growing up in Texas, and how did it you know inspiring you until today? Well, my father was a my father's a neurologist, and he was a, he was a doctor in the Air Force when I was a kid. Um, now he's in private practice in Maryland. But growing up, we, we traveled around quite a bit. So while my family is from San Antonio and while I did my formative development there, we also lived elsewhere when I was much younger. We lived in Asia. We lived in the Philippines, for instance. And um, and so, you know, I and then after that, we lived, you know, we lived in San Francisco and in Georgia. And then eventually we moved back to San Antonio. And that's where I went to high school. And my parents divorced when, you know, when I was younger. So, you know, Texas... Growing up in Texas was, you know, it's like any place else where you, you grew up. You can't wait to get out of there, right? Um, but but uh, now when I go back, you know, it's San Antonio especially has come a long way. You know, it used to be, um, you know, it used to be the kind of place where you were like, there's no culture here and I can't wait to escape. But now when I go back, there's actually a pretty thriving art scene there and music and all my buddies who who stayed there after after high school, um, and created lives for themselves. They have, they have nice lives. And, uh, 
it's always fun to go back and visit. That said, I'm glad I don't live there. But the, Interesting. Uh, so you've been all around. Why New York? Well, you know, the other thing about Texas is, the, the, you know, it's a cliche, but the wide open spaces, especially when you go out to West Texas, there's, uh, there's just so much, there's so much space and sky and the light is brighter and, the, you know, the clouds are more sculptural and everything just burns a little brighter out there. And so that was an intoxicating kind of uh, environment. It wasn't where I grew up, but it was nearby. And so in terms of things in Texas that inspired me, I would say that those types of open vistas and I'm sure I'm not the only uh, Texan who feels wistful for those, you know, that, that aspect of our home state, that sort of mystical, almost legendary aspect of our home state. But so coming to New York, you know, is a totally different type of uh, environment, you know, the density of this, this urban place. And I think I just knew that there were, you know, that I would find a community of like-minded people here who, um, you know, who would inspire me and who I could collaborate with. And of course, like everyone who moves to New York, I dreamt of all the opportunity that might await me here. And, I knew it was a place where I could sharpen my skills and become a better version of myself. How long ago was it? It's been 15 years. Okay. Yeah. And so far? I think I'm getting the hang of it. Okay. <laughs> This yeah. sounds good. Um, you mentioned traveling a lot. Just before, I think, you established the company, you actually lived in Japan, right? Yeah, it was a few, a few, well, yeah, um, I lived in Japan first right after college and then I, and then I did an internship there when I was in graduate school also toward, sort of toward the end of my time in graduate school. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was shortly before I moved to New York. Um, I lived first in a suburb outside of Tokyo, um, when I was, you know, 22 years old. And then later when I was in graduate school, I lived in, I lived in Kobe, which is in the, uh, on the, um, in Kansai, which is a, which is a, it's near, it's the, the area is, it's best known for Osaka and, and Kyoto. And I, the, the company I worked for was in Kyoto. So I, yeah. I, I took, I had a pretty, um, pretty intense commute from Kobe where I lived with my girlfriend at the time to Kyoto every day to work for Waro Kishi and K Associates, which was the firm where I interned. Nice. Um, so you came back to the state yeah. and not too long after you decided to open your own company. That's true. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it was quite, uh, quite so linear. Um, you know, I, I, um, I came, you know, I came back from Japan where I'd been interning and I had, I had a semester of graduate school left and I, I managed to fund my studies in Japan by taking on, uh, you know, by availing myself of the generosity of a lot of the, you know, the few professors who, uh, who I could convince that I had something uh, meaningful to offer. And they, uh, they all sponsored research papers, so I was able to keep my financial aid while I was in Japan. Then I had to go back to Texas. I went to the University of Texas at Austin for grad school. So I had to go back to Austin and write all these papers that I was supposed to be working on the whole time I was in Japan. So I did that for a semester. And then, you know, while I was doing that, I allowed myself to explore my options in terms of, where, you know, where would I want to live next and, where, you know, where did I want to work? And so, I, you know, I came to New York and interviewed for jobs and, And I uh, ended up being hired by a firm that was on the Lower East Side called Leroy Street Studio. Um, and I worked for those guys for a couple of years. And um, I had a really great experience there. I learned, learned a lot from them. Um, they're, they're really talented designers. And in many ways, they, they sort of set my trajectory, although I didn't really realize what I was learning at the time. You know, I think when you get out of school, um, you know, you, architecture school, for me anyway, was about acquiring a sort of a way of thinking. But the practical skills that actually comprise the practice or that contribute the most to successful practice, you learn those on the job. So, sure. so, you know, I was really fortunate that I was able to work for such a good firm um, 
as my first job out of school. And I learned, I learned a tremendous amount there. Although I think at the time I didn't really realize the skills that I was, that I was learning and how, how it would later influence the work that I did. But then much later when I was out on my own, you know, fumbling my way through my first solo projects, I realized that I had developed this, you know, this toolkit from, from working for, um, Sean and Mark and Morgan at Lee Street Studio and all of my incredibly talented colleagues there too, that really, that really did help, um, help, Form space exploration. Yeah. I, I know them personally, so uh, yeah. So you know, them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Oh yeah, you guys work with them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about space exploration. Yeah. Let's talk about the name first. Okay. If you don't mind. Sure. Because uh, when you hear space exploration, probably the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is, uh, are you working with NASA or something like that? Yeah. So yes, tell us about that. Yeah. So you know, I would have. Um, I mean, the name. The name just came to me one day on the subway. I, 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 you know, I'd been fortunate enough to, well, so, you know, I worked for Leroy Street Studio until the subprime, uh, the subprime crisis. And obviously you know, a lot of people uh, ended up leaving and, um, and I had to, you know, I had to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. And I was lucky enough to have a couple of opportunities thrown my way. You know, people who came to me and said, you know, can you help design my project? And I should, you know, it's one of those situations where I just said yes, even though I knew, I knew I had a lot to learn. So, um, So I, you know, I took on this work and, and, uh, so for some reason, uh, somehow, you know, a couple more projects came in and it got to the point where I thought, um, I need a name for this thing and I need, uh, you know, I need an identity and, you know, I need a brand. So what am I going to call it? And, um, I had a couple of ideas kind of percolating in my head that, you know, now I, I, I realized they weren't nearly as good as space exploration, but that's the one that's stuck. And, uh, ever since every, you know, a lot of people have complimented me on it. They, people really like the name. I, I'm, I like the name, you know, I, I would never change it. And, uh, I'm glad I didn't go for something, something more generic, generic. which, which was kind of like, you know, of the moment, that's what a lot of people, a lot of people want to be called like architecture office or like office of unspecified services or like atelier architecture, you know, like, totally ungoogleable like there's just like no way you could ever even find that firm online so i so but of course now the the um <laughs> the problem is that the problem is elon musk i mean that's you true know. that's yeah. the first thing that comes up when, when <laughs> yeah. you're googling yeah space. you know and um and you know i've talked to him about it a couple of times whenever we've had <laughs> and, and it's just uh you know he was like look dude you know He's, i could bury you and i'm like i know go, yeah. you know So even though I've kind of like, you know, like hinted that I might try to sue him, you know, just like, like a little bit, um, he's just not impressed. So, you know, he beat me to it. He's got more clout than I do, I think. And, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the one big disadvantage. because I do think I had the name first. Now everybody know, by the way, it's on record. Yeah, yeah, I know. Now it's going out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, but the, you know, the, the thing about, uh, about all that is that, um, you know, like I would have, and, and now, you know, like our website is spaceexplorationdesign.com and it's a real mouthful. Like when people are trying to type it into a browser window and I would have just taken spaceexploration.com, but I'm sure that's, that's, that domain is owned by someone who actually works in aeronautics. Um, so, you know, so I took, I, I did the best I could, but yeah, you know, it is a little bit of a mouthful. And sometimes when I'm on the phone with receptionists or whatever, they'll be like, uh, space explication what, what is it space explanation like you know so so it does get a little confusing sometimes but in general i think it was a good decision and now we all know that the real idea came from just driving the subway yeah just riding the subway that's you should that's do it. that as uh yeah they take the commute um you're saying good design can improve people's life 
Yeah, I think that's true. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Um, I agree too, but tell us more about that. Um, well, I think that I think that architecture is the background of our our lives. It's um, you know we we all spend a lot of our time inside or around the built environment, um, unless you're you know um, unless you're a troglodyte or you live in the woods or something. You know you you probably interact with architecture almost all day, every day, and. And um, I forget, I forget who said it, but but um, you know, someone said um, everything is designed, but few things are designed well. And so I think that I think that architecture has the ability, when it's thoughtful and when it's well wrought and well executed, it has the ability to improve people's daily experiences. And that's one of the things I like the best about it. You know, there's a, a quote from Joe Ponte. He says, um, "Love architecture for its silence." And I like, I I love that quote. You know, I, I think that there is something poetic about architecture, and maybe it's just my background in literature that that predisposes me to feel that way. But I do think that there's a, a kind of a poetry to architecture that can come through in language. And I think, you know, that's an example of a quote that sums up what's nice about, about architecture because it is quiet. It recedes into the background. At least that's what I want my own work to do. And while I want it to be distinguished and I want it to be beautiful and I want it, you know, and when people stop to notice it, I want them to feel the sense of tranquility and serenity that we try to imbue or that we try to uh, imbue into our work. I also think that um, the best architecture doesn't shout. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't try to draw. It doesn't try to draw attention to itself. It just serves as a. It just serves as a, a backdrop to the best possible type of human experience when it's done well. It's beautiful. Um, you mentioned your past in literature um, and writing, and you're still doing it till this day, right? So yeah, I try to. Um, Tell us about Pinup Magazine. Oh yeah, so for many years I was the I was on the editorial board at Pinup, which is a, a magazine um, a, a magazine that's dear to my heart. I love it. It's um, it's an irreverent magazine that marries architecture and fashion and um, sexuality and art and um, it's it's a it's a real it's it's really an idiosyncratic title and I have tremendous amount of respect for Felix Berchter, the the founder and creative director of that magazine. And I worked with him closely for many years on um, uh, on developing editorial content and, and crafting it, and um, yeah, you know, it, and I contributed a lot of a lot of material to it. I think that um, I can't speak for other practitioners, but for me, um, writing about architecture and design is almost just as important as actually practicing it and and also reading about it. Um, so you know, lang- language and the language of design. Uh, is very important to me. And I think, like anything else, it can be done well or it can be done poorly. I mean, so much of architectural theory is dense and prolix and, you know, kind of, um, it can be uh, riddled with jargon that's totally inaccessible to non-practitioners. And I think even a lot of, uh, I think a lot of students try to cultivate this, you know, this impenetrable, um, this sort of impenetrable monolithic vocabulary that they think somehow makes them seem more intelligent and more skilled and in the practice or, and it, you know, I think that's a real, a real uh, pitfall. I think that, I think that, you know, you should speak, you should use plain language to talk about architecture. And, and what I like most about pinup is the, the voice pinup, pinup has like many magazines. It has a kind of a, an in-house voice and that voice is irreverent. It's fun. It's whimsical. And, you know, architecture can be a real drag sometimes, especially the practice. And, um, it can be a slog and it can be fraught with anxiety and stress and all kinds of mundane problems and, you know, small bureaucratic cruelties and things like that. And I think that writing about architecture in a way that's very, um, that is whimsical and lighthearted and fun. It just doesn't happen enough. And, 
And I think Pinup is one of those magazines that does a good job of just making sure that this that this uh, industry and this field doesn't take itself too seriously. Nice. So let's take the two and merge them together. If you're writing for Pinup right now, what would you say about space exploration? Well, I, I mean, Felix was kind enough actually to do a profile of, of us one time a few years ago. Um, which was which was great. I mean, it was such a such an honor to be featured. It was in a, an article called "New Power Generation," which was about up and coming firms. This was four or five years ago now, and uh, it was super fun. It was like a really uh, it was a, it was a great experience. So um, so yeah, I was I was lucky enough to actually be. They actually did profile us, and that was a that was a nice uh, a really it was a it was an honor. That's cool. All right, what's the future hold in terms of? Uh your uh, your desire do you have any intention to continue and thinking about writing and combining the work that you do right now with it yeah sure I mean I, I I love writing and I would love to continue I'd love to do more of it it's it's kind of it's kind of recessed into the background of my practice a little bit um, for now but I'd like to I'd like to get back into it I've, I've written for other publications too you know I I, I was um, for a while I was also on the editorial board of another magazine called called the last magazine which is a mostly sort of fashion focused but also it has a cultural bent and they uh at one point they promoted me from reluctant contributor to art editor um so i was writing about art for them and that was great because the editorial team there were able to give me access to some incredible blue chip artists and people who i never would have been able to speak with otherwise so just you know as a as a um as someone who appreciates art and follows art that was a that was great um so i yeah i'd love to i'd love to write more about art and design in general um and I hope I, I hope I can find more venues for it in the future. Okay, nice, cool. Um, tell us about one project that maybe, if we'll Google it, we'll Google sp- space exploration, we're going to scroll down um, to the things that Elon is not doing, and we're right. get to you. Yeah. Which one of those projects like, represents your work? Or just um, one in particular that you want to tell us about? Well, there's a few. I mean, our, you know, our practice is split between high-end residential projects I mean, I hate that term high-end, but I should say residential work, you know, thoughtful residential work. Most of it is adaptive reuse, although we do have some, some ground-up projects also. And, um, and, and then also on the, other, on the other side, hospitality projects. So restaurants, um, bars. We, we're, doing, we're working on our first hotel now in Newport, Rhode Island, which is really exciting. Um, but if, you know, if, if I were to identify, if I could only identify, it's tough because the, the two arms of the practice – um, they express themselves very differently. You know, residential projects are about, for me anyway, the approach to them is about historic preservation. It's about, you know, identifying historic elements. So often we're working in New York City and we're working in older envelopes um, with, you know, with existing fabric. And there's, um, there's you know, oftentimes there are details that, that it would be criminal to demolish. You, know, you want to preserve those. So I think our work is is laced with that sort of respect for older historic elements um, and, you know, trying to, trying to sharpen them up and, you know, bring them back to life while preserving their original intent. It's kind of bundled into my next question. So you can address that too, but what is the role of the modern architecture? Is it to preserve or is it to create new things? I think it's both. I mean, I, I really think that, um, you know, I think architectural practice is so multifaceted and multivalent and, that's another thing that that um, that appealed to me about the about the profession is that you can really make of it anything you want it to be almost, and um, and so you know my own trajectory I think tries to combine both of those things. You know I think that I think that there is 
there's room for um, for historic preservation um, in our in our work. There's a lot of that because we're you know like, like I said we're dealing with we're dealing with existing um, we're dealing oftentimes with existing buildings and existing fabric. And then on the other end, I think you have to innovate. And I think that a big a big responsibility of any practitioner in this field is is understanding developments in material technology and um, you know understanding the environment and and trying to implement uh, trying to integrate those those new technologies into your own work. It's cool. So it's a mix. It's a mix. Um, what do you like about having an architectural practice? Uh, other than other than not having to report to anybody else, uh, <laughs> except for all my clients and you guys. Um, no, I mean, I do think that it's 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 been unexpectedly satisfying to um, to do this work to to be able to conceive of something on my own. It's almost a cliche to say, you know, to make this to make the concept sketch and then with diligence and hard work and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, within a few years, you can hold that concept sketch up and hold it up to the finished product yeah. and see something that you just envisioned um, come to life. And I think that that's a really rare opportunity that comes with having your own practice. So if you're writing a letter to yourself 15 years ago, you would say, Kevin, you did a good job. I'd say stick it out. It's going to be, there are times <laughs> when it's going to be tough, but ultimately you're going to be glad you did it. That's cool. All right. Now the, now the younger generation know. Um, talking a lot about COVID and the COVID effects, what do you miss most about not knowing COVID or the pre-COVID era? I mean, I don't think this is going to be a very novel answer. I mean, I think we, we can all agree that it was a, it was a, you know, it's just a much more, it just felt like a much simpler time, a much more carefree time. And of course there were all kinds of other problems we were dealing with, but at least this, uh, you know, the social distancing and all of the other precautions we just have to live with long-term now. Um, you know, I think, I think I just miss the, I miss that kind of carefree attitude. And, and as you're adding COVID to the mix, what's going to change in the architectural industry? I mean, I think, I think this is kind of, you know, this is like not the sexiest answer, but I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot more consideration for the environment and for keeping things sanitary and, and, you know, for spatial, um, spatial precautions in terms of, keeping people away from each other when it's appropriate to do so. I mean, I do think it's going to, I do think it's going to change the, the way that the way that space is conceived up because we all have, you know, as, as a, as a field of practitioners, as a discipline, we have set ideas about standard dimensions and that's, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's something you could talk all day about, not all day, it would bore the pants off anybody who stuck around for more than 15 minutes, but you could talk a lot about standard dimensions and how they influence the way that our, you know, our spatial perception, um, our normal spatial perception, um, is, uh, is apprehended or how we apprehend space. And, you know, it changes when you go to different, when you go to different countries, you, you know, if you've, if you've been to Europe, if you've been to the Middle East, if you've been to Asia, you know, that, um, that acceptable tolerances of space are much tighter in some of those places and they're much more expansive in others. And I think that um, I do think that probably this experience of this this pandemic, this crisis, I think is going to probably change the the way that that space is apprehended and used, and the you know the amount of space between people will probably be re reappraised in subtle ways. So imagining the future as you just described, and you know talking about your younger uh, younger uh, Kevin, um, what do you wish, or how do you see Kevin in twenty five years from now? Don't say retire. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I mean, I'd like to continue to, I'd, 
one of the reasons I chose this field is because I, I think it's, uh, it's one of only a few professions that are probably impossible to master in one lifetime. And, you know, like, like painting or music, you know, I think that you can only continue to practice and improve. And, um, I wanted to make sure that whatever I chose to do with my life was something like that, where I could constantly enrich my own, um, abilities or at least attempt to. And so I'd like to think that, you know, that in the future, whether it's five years from now or 30 years from now, God willing, that I'll still be working on honing my skills and cultivating a, you know, distinctive language. that's all my own. Um, all the artists and architects who I admire the most have done that and, you know, have a, have defined a, you know, kind of a, what Robert Irwin called a, a well-formed problem. And they've continued to pursue that problem and approach it from different angles and try to get to the, try to get to the heart of it. Um, and, and, uh, you know, hopefully at the end of your career, at the end of your life, you've, you've created something that's meaningful and memorable, um, that future generations can learn from and appreciate. Sure. Um, if you can collaborate with someone, you know, and next we just talked about 30 years and next 30 years, who do you want it to be? I mean, it's funny that I just mentioned Robert Irwin because I think he would be kind of at the top of my list. I would definitely want it to be someone from whom I feel I could learn a tremendous amount. You know, I think it's always important to have mentors and especially, you know, to collaborate with someone to me, that means working with someone who's probably in a different field an adjacent field. And I really admire that group of artists. Um, the, um, you know, the, that California school that includes people like Robert Irwin and Doug Wheeler, because they're dealing with, they're dealing with very ethereal concerns. And I think of Irwin's project as one that is very admirable in terms of the way that he's pursued the same question across multiple disciplines and continues to pursue it. And, you know, he started as a figurative painter and now he's essentially arrived at architecture and landscape design as, uh, as the, you know, the vehicles to answer that question. I think his practice is really interesting. And, you know, if, uh, If I could choose one person to work with, it would probably be him. Since he's listening, we know that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have said Elon Musk. But... <laughs> um, you're already in competition. I don't think it's going to yeah. work out anyway. Um, can I tackle you with some personal questions so we'll get to know you better? Sure. Okay. What's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Well, it depends on where I am. We have um, my wife, Melissa, and I have um, we have an apartment here in Brooklyn that we where we stay or at least I stay sometimes during the week because I have to you know visit my visit the sites I'm responsible for. And then we also have a, a house in Connecticut, uh, Northwestern Connecticut in Litchfield County. And so my favorite thing to do in the morning there is to practice archery. So that's my kind of mindfulness practice. So you know I wake up in the morning and as soon as it's light outside, I, We have a barn and I, I go out to the barn and Melissa made me a giant archery backstop for Christmas and I, I practice archery for a good 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, and that's a, for me that's a nice form of meditation. And then I, and then I try to get, get right into deep work. Um, I try to get up early and you know, get a couple of hours of creative work in before the phone starts ringing or the email start, you know, start accumulating. So waking up 5 a.m, 6 a.m. Yeah, I wake up I wake up naturally now this was not you know who I was when I was younger but I think when you get as you get older maybe you start waking up earlier I get up I wake up naturally now around 5 30 say it's doable yeah you can do it <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah then I you know I, so I go out and practice archery and then I try to get some work accomplished and then I make coffee and bring it up to my wife wake her up I like that answer um, if you could have one superpower what would it be Well, I guess we're talking about like the classics here, right? Like invisibility or like, like, uh, you know, the ability to like read people's thoughts. Um, stop thinking that. Um, the, <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I'd say time travel because that would be really good for me. And from terms of like a professional liability, 
perspective <laughs> For sure. um, or like the ability, you know, but I'm sure I would go, I'm sure I would inadvertently go back in time and screw something up when my grandparents <laughs> end up dying or something like that. So, so that's probably not safe. I guess, you know, just, you know, like, like everybody else, it'd be nice to be able to fly, right? Like, uh, that, you know, it sounds good. That's valid. Wing, okay. Wingless flight. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone except your wife, who's it going to be? <laughs> um, I, Again, I think it'd be somebody who I want, um, you know, who I could learn a lot from. Um, I've always really admired the painter Gerhard Richter, so I think it would be, I mean, you know, and he's getting up there in age, so I think it'd be, I'd love to learn more about his practice and what he does. Um, not the funniest answer, but it would be cool to... That's cool, because the next one is interesting. If there's going to be a movie about your career, who's going to play the lead role? Who's going to play the lead role? I mean, he's in an obvious Dan- Daniel Craig. <laughs> I mean, if he's not available, then maybe like Denzel, but like a like a younger Denzel, you know, a younger Denzel, just like a little a little. I mean, I get that all the time. You know? Okay, <laughs> I yeah. see that. Yeah, people stop that. me on the street. Oh, that's yeah. cool. You know, that's probably we're but, going to start with this question. <laughs> um, the last one: If you weren't an architect, what would you do? Well, I mean, again, it's kind of an expected answer because I you can um, be a movie star. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up, I grew up uh, painting and I really seriously considered that as a career path. And I sometimes wonder how my life would be different, you know, what the stressors and the anxieties would be um, if I had cho- chosen that, uh, that as a, as my primary vocation. Um, so I think I would probably be, I think I would probably be trying to, um, trying to learn how to paint um, or trying to perfect painting. That would be, that would be my top choice if I weren't doing this. But um, but I'm I'm happy with I'm ultimately happy with what I chose. Kevin Greenberg, thank you very much. That was great. And it was a lot of fun, by the way. Yeah, good. Um, and I'm gonna we're gonna see that movie together once uh, once it's out. We didn't even talk about the title. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, I mean, I guess the interview. I, I changed the question throughout, but yeah, let's talk about it. What's the title going to be? I don't know. I mean, all, all the good titles are taken already, right? Like, uh, you know, you could do the you know, um, in search of lost time, but that's. That's taken, right? The idiot. That's taken. <laughs> um, uh, so you have to pick one. Um, I, you know, does any, has anybody used the Count of Monte Cristo? Because that would be, that would be pretty good. Sounds to me like it's probably. See if it's available. Maybe let's let's see. I'll I'll get on the phone with my copyright guys and see if let's do it. If we can get that, maybe. And you'll get Craig on the phone. All right. So all right, casting is done. Perfect. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This time we got personal with Kevin Greenberg, the founding principal of Space Exploration. To learn more about Kevin and the studio's work, check out their website and social media. Stay tuned for future episodes of Getting Personal with Designers. And if you can't wait, check out our previous episodes. I'm sure you're going to love it. Thank you. Thank you.